0: Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing today? Hey, can we give it up for all the things that Jesus did last week, Easter weekend, and man, all the people that were touched and introduced to Jesus, and when you've been touched by Jesus, you're never the same. When you're in His presence, you're never the same, and I want to thank you for partnering with us, and, and one of the things that we love here is whenever you say, we were so honored to bring our friends and family to a place that was safe and they could hear the gospel, We say it like this, it's safe for sinners and it's dangerous for sin because the gospel changes hearts. Amen? So uh, uh, to all of our team and everybody, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're excited about what God is doing. We are going into part two of I Am Jonah. How many were here last week for part one? I just want to see if I have to re-preach it. Okay, I don't. I can move on to part two. Very good. And uh, we'll be going into uh, a, a second talk about... I am Jonah. And, and if you're here and you're like, I don't, I don't get it, I'm still trying to get it, I'm still trying to understand, here's the bottom line. Long story short, on the Day of Atonement, uh, the Hebrews would read, the Jews would read the story of Jonah, four chapters, and it's, uh, if you're looking for it in your Bibles, it's between Obadiah and Micah, which probably doesn't help you at all, but long story short, they would read these four chapters, and at the end of it, they would say this, they would say, I am Jonah. And because they were identifying their walk with these fixed truths that are in this bodacious, crazy, amazing story that my kids love. Like, of all the stories, like, who do you want to be? What do you want to see? I want to see Jonah swallowed by a big fish. Like, nobody loves that more than little kids. I remember being a kid going, this is amazing. I didn't want to be Jonah, but I definitely wanted to see that fish take him down. Uh, but we are... We are Entering into a story here that I want you to personalize yourself in this story. I want you to see yourself in Jonah's shoes. I want you to be able to, at the end of today, say, Yes, I am Jonah. Because there's some more confessions that we're going to pull out of this today. So I want to turn your attention very quickly to Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Jonah 1 and 1 says this The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Uh, Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because wickedness has come up before me. Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. Not easy to say. Say that with me. Tarshish. It's just weird to say. And if it sounds weird coming out of my mouth, you said it. Now you know how hard it is to say. Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, much easier to say, where he found a ship bound. For that port. So you're always going to find a boat headed to Tarshish. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. The ship's like, Stop, I'm going to break up. I can't do it. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. So they're trying to, like, they're literally l- ruining their business, losing money and inventory, but they don't care because they know the boat is about to go down. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we, we, not, we will not perish. Skimming down to verse 9. He answered, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he already told them this. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? He said, pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will be calm. And I know that it's my fault, and this great great storm has come upon us. And at that point, the Bible says they begin to row, because they don't want to throw him over. They're going to try within their human effort to to get through this and actually go back to land. But what's amazing is Jonah can't go back the same way because God's appointed and anointed something. Jonah uh, 1 and 15 says this, they took Jonah finally like, okay, we got to throw you over. They threw him overboard into the raging sea and it calmed. Jonah uh, 1 and 17 says this, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. I am Jonah. Heavenly Father, we honor you. We honor your word. Let your living word teach, preach, minister the written word. Let it fall into good ground and let it bring forth fruit. Thank you for your presence abiding here among us, your body, your people. And Lord, we pray that your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen. All right, so how many last week um, did some Easter egg hunting? Anybody did Easter egg hunting, went home and did Easter egg hunting? Not a lot of people, all right? First service was like everybody did it. All right, raise those hands up high, unashamedly. Come on. Who did Easter egg hunting, all right? How many realizes like Easter egg hunting now is so different than it was back in the day when we did Easter egg hunting, right? Like we didn't have the okay kindergarten through second grade, you're going to go first, Well, we were just thrown in with all the big kids, so we had, like, one egg at the end of the hunt, right? And I remember finally getting old enough to do egg, I mean, egg hunting, like, be effective, right? And I was, like, filling my bags up, because you start off, you know, with your your, um, Safeway bag, but then as you get older, you're, like, you accumulate, and you build your own, you kind of embroider your name on a bag, and you're like, this is awesome. And finally, they're like, Chad, you're 19, you got to stop, can you let the kids get some? And I was like, fine, I'll stop. Back in the day, there was no, like, like, like little, little trophy for, uh, you know, participation. There was no ribbon. It was just you go out there and you get what you get, right? And we didn't have those beautiful eggs, those wonderful eggs that you open up and there's candy and there's money and there's coins. No, no, no. We had real eggs, that you could not eat, and you could do nothing with, right? You could do nothing with. And worse off, they were dipped in some kind of poisonous dye. So, we were basically chasing our own poison, right? We were out there, and we're like, what do we do now? And they're like, do not throw these at homes. We're like, what did you just say? Never thought about that. No, I'm just kidding. We didn't do that. But we definitely were tempted to, and the Lord gave us strength. But there's something just fun and funny about, like, everyone just running out, and I love this little video we, we found this week of this little kid. They put a little GoPro on him, and the experience of egg hunting through a little kid. Watch this. Go, go, go. Go me, go me. I'm a big boy. She's not ready to do this. Really <laughs> look looking, Everything. Oh, she already got let me, let me it! I over here, buddy. One for me! Oh no! I'm missing some! Holy! Holy! Oh. That's this way. i it, i balance! I can, do it. I can do it. Got it Got it. Flat down, Which in that one? Oh no! I love it. I love it, man. To be a kid again. To be a kid again. That was amazing. Let's give little GoPro. We don't know his name. I just call him little GoPro now. A hand. What a guy. And uh, so after five services last weekend, we we get the the, the fam at the house and and we have uh, little little uh, Remington, who's eighteen months. Didn't know that till the first service. But I had to ask. Um, Uh, Macy, who is four years old, and uh, I think Ellie is five or six, is that right? She's five. And so we hid the eggs. We did the whole thing. Josh and Em are kind of like, you know, they just got the bag of candy just watching. They're just eating and watching. And then Jude's kind of into it, but kind of helping. And so we said, okay, we hid eggs. All right, go. And, And so basically Macy was kind of chasing Ellie, and Ellie was swooping and getting all the eggs. And Macy's like, ah, And so, you know, how that works where there's a little bit of disappointment. So we started to help Macy by saying, Macy, turn around, go over to the bush with the pink flowers. And she's looking and over here. And so she turns and runs and she's looking and she can't see it. And so finally we're like, down, down. Cold, cold, cold. Warmer, 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 warmer. There it is. Ah, she got it. And she runs again and she's running the wrong direction. You're cold. Wrong direction. Come back. It's over here. And we hid these eggs like in plain sight and our goal was not to keep these eggs from the kids. Our goal was for these eggs to be found, right? And what I think all of us understand, and I think that Jonah finally figured this out, that, that when God is telling us to turn around, He wants us to find that best. He wants us to find His purpose. He, he's saying, it's time to turn around. And I wonder today if there's anybody who God is just saying, it's time for a turnaround. And uh, He may be saying, cold, 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 warmer, warmer, yep, turn your head, yep, turn your feet, Warmer. And I just believe that there are people that God has your number, He knows where you are, and God is calling you to His best. Because as a father's heart, as an uncle, an awesome uncle's heart, we want them to find the Easter eggs. And God wants you to find His plan for your life. Now, we talked about this last week. We talked about two truths that we all have to understand. It is our tendency to run from God. And the story of Jonah displays this. And the second tendency is God's... Grace, he chases us. So all of us have run, and God chases us. That's God's goodness. That's God's grace. And so the question I want to ask you today is this: where are you going? What direction are you going? How many people have flown on an airplane in the last maybe, let's say, two years? You've flown on an airplane. Okay, you, you can. We can all agree that flying is more complicated now than it ever has been, right? Like now, you have lo- specific lines with boarding numbers, and one, two, three, four, five, and and even boarding is kind of complicated. Am I going to have to put my check in my luggage at the the gate? Are they going to ask? Is there is there not enough room anymore? Are there standbys? What's happening? But even like the whole. The whole, like, journey of getting to the plane, like, gives me an anxiety. One, because I have, I have line anxiety, which means I have to be in the fastest line. So as I'm approaching the line options, I'm calculating. He's like, hey, babe, do you want a croissant?" I'm like, stop. I'm counting right now, and I'm counting people and heads and babies and luggage and who has a stroller, because when we go through TSA and they say you want to go left or straight or right, I want to get in the right line, and I just can't just choose a line, but once I choose the line, I'm looking at the other lines and trying to determine did I choose the right line, and it's just terrible. And then you finally get on the plane and you pray, we, you know, some of us, we pray this, it's not good, it's not Christian, I get it, but we pray, Lord, let this middle seat, Stay open, come on, somebody. I just want some room, right and it 's almost an I think God does this to me, especially. He always puts assignments right there, someone who 's going to talk, right, And the people who have the worst breath are the ones who always want to lean in and talk real close how you doing? where are you going? What do you do for a living? Are you going to eat those peanuts and i 'm like, Jesus be a offense i 'm like i 'm going to Colgate next to Crest, and it 's by oral B and uh, I can recommend a doctor for you. Look ahead. Look straight, all right? But this is what happens on the plane. This is inevitable. This is always the inevitable. There's two questions that are asked. One is, what do you do? What do you do for a living? And uh, as a pastor, this becomes a very complicated moment for a pastor because you know that as soon as you give an answer, there's going to be one of three reactions. One is going to be like, you're a hero. And they clap their hands and like, thank you for what you do. And you're like, wow, thank you. I appreciate that. The other one is like a grimace and like a like a confusion and almost like a I feel sorry for you look like, oh. So you, you, you couldn't do anything else, huh? They just let you in Bible college and gave you a, a, a card. All right, sounds. And then you have the third people. These are the ones who are a little more aggressive, and they're like, oh, you're a pastor, huh? You tell, you tell people there's a God, and you pray, and that becomes a long discussion. And I actually enjoy those because, I, I I like I like answering questions and but, but here's what ends up happening is the first question is what do you do? And the second question is where are you going, right? It's where are you going? Like are you, are you going to Phoenix? Are you flying through Phoenix? Are you going to see Grandma? Are you, are you going to have to get on another plane and then drive to get to where you're going? Where are you going? That's kind of the question. That's the general, like, this is the good. This is a nice just general question, not going to be too intrusive. Where are you going? And here's the question I want to ask you today. I'm moving your elbows out of the way. I'm sitting next to you. I'm all up in your grill, and I'm asking this question today. Where are you going? Do you know where you're going? Do you know where your life is headed? I read this story about a, a guy named Matthew Emmons. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's, he's the rifle shooter. He's the best in the world. And in 2004, uh, in, the, in the Athens Olympics, he was up uh, to, to shoot. And it was in his last round. And all he had to do was hit the target anywhere, and he'd still get first place. In fact, everyone went to Athens knowing he's going to get first place, and everybody else is going to try to get second. Okay? That's how good he is. He gets up there. He aims right in the middle, right in the bullseye and everyone's like, wow, and you hear this hush, and they stop, and he kind of looks, and they look, eighth place, and he's confused, and the crowd's confused, and here's what happened. He hit the bullseye, but he shot at someone else's target, and he got eighth place, and here's what happens. A lot of us, we're shooting. We're even hitting the target, but we're hitting the wrong target, Here's the question, what is your Tarshish? What boat are you on? What direction is your life going? If God allows you to continue to to go down this path, where will you end up? Because we don't want to just live life. We want to live life on purpose, for a purpose. We want to know our direction. We know that God has a purpose for our lives. So there's two things we talked about last week. Number one, we run. Number two, God chases. But I want to introduce to you a third reality that is so important. But the best life that you're ever going to find, the best life you're ever gonna be, that you're ever going to have is the life on the other side of surrender. It was when Jonas surrendered. He goes, okay, uh, yeah, here's the bottom line. I serve the God of uh, heaven and earth, uh, uh, land and sea, and I'm a Hebrew, and I believe in Yahweh, and yeah, it's me. He owned it. And this is so important. Why? Because God wants you to know how you came up with a solution. He wants you to know how you came up with the solution. So here's the deal. My kids are homeschooled, which means uh, they keep bees, they churn butter, they're doing a lot of cool things like that, and we're working on math, science, and English in Jesus' name. My wife is the teacher, I'm the principal, and the behavior therapist, all right? I have a lot of roles, a lot of roles, okay? Not talking about these, I'm talking about roles in the house and in the school, okay? So here's, here's the bottom line. The other day I was working with, with math with Jude and Emma. I, I was assigned by the teacher to do the math, okay, with the kids. And long story short, my, my kids were popping out answers like, goodness, you're good. Come to find out, doing a little cheating with the calculator. I said, "Nah, na, nah, nah, na. Nah. I want to see how you come up with that answer. I want to see, your, what did the teacher say? I want to see your work. You, you do division, I want to see you divide that up. I want to see you rolling those numbers over, right? I want to, I wanna, uh, m- uh, math, we're going to do some multiplication. I want to see you multiply and put that one on top of that four. I want to see it right up there because that's where it belongs, and we're going to carry that over. Can I get a Jesus name in the house? It's got to be there or you're cheating, all right? I want to see your work. And here's what Jonah had to realize. He had to realize that he was the square root of the problem. All of this was because of him, and here's why. He was the problem because he was the answer. His assignment and calling was great. He wasn't just running from the presence. He was running from his purpose, and there's more at stake than just, I don't want to do it. I want to have fun. I want to live my best life. Have you ever noticed that like running from God is harder than living for God? And it's hard to convince someone who's in a storm or living out their life and going, yeah, but if I was living for God, I wouldn't enjoy it. This is much better. We'd rather. Many people would rather live 2,500 miles out of the will of God than 550 miles in the will of God going to Nineveh. And so we find ourselves rowing and pushing and trying harder. And there's some of you, I believe you're exhausted from fighting it. And your best life, the life that God's called you, is on the other side, through the door of surrender. Surrender is tough. But here's what Jonah had to realize. I'm called to this. I've been running, not just from the presence, but from the plan, from the purpose. And I want to speak this over you today, that you as a believer, number one, the role that we have as believers and as followers of Jesus It's not just to change our eternal address, okay? It's not the, yeah, my eternal address was 666 uh, Lake of Fire Lane, and now it's 777 Crossroads. Hallelujah, amen. Got a new destination, right? That's not it. That's part of it. But really what it is is that now you are part of kingdom assignment. Now you're a part of God's great plan, Now you're part of the solution. Now it's not just you live the way you want to live. It's a surrender every day to a bigger plan that God has for you. When do you find in the Bible anywhere where an entire city, even a wicked king, turns their heart to God and repents the way Nineveh did? This is unheard of. This is like the moment, but he can't fathom it. He can't fathom that on the other side of this is crazy is this is amazing. But it starts with surrender. We have this saying that when you, when you don't know why, when you don't know the way, when you don't know what's going to happen, if you submit and apply, then it will make sense in the end. Surrender, the battle for the surrender of your soul, of your heart, of your will is the greatest battle on the planet. Not the devil. The devil is a hater. He drinks aid. I know that. But that's not, that's not the great battle. The greatest battle the surrender of your heart. So we say, I'm Jonah. We're confessing, yep, I'm a runner. I'm Jonah. God chases me. But I'm also confessing, surrender is the only way to step into God's best. In fact, when Jonah surrenders, what happens? They throw him over, <laughs> and a big fish. <laughs> now, the Bible says in verse 17, we read it, the Lord appointed a great fish. So there was an appointed vehicle to bring Jonah to the edge of the shore and spit him out. Now, I'd have preferred a yacht, a lifeboat, something a little cleaner, right? It was kosher, but it wasn't clean. Can I get an amen? And he, he is thrown, like, he's like, I can't do it. Some people believe he was dead for three days. So there's a lot of theory about what that looked like, but when he cries out to God, when he, when he, I don't know if he's looking up or down, but he cries up to God, cries out to God, and he's like, I surrender, I can't run anymore. And it was God's goodness to chase him. Why? Because there's a plan. There's a plan. And everyone in this room, God has an assignment and a plan for your life that is great. It's good. Here's what God does. We round a lot of times up or down. I do this with the kids too. I did this the other day. It was talking about rounding up, rounding down, Right? And it's funny how, like, I've caught myself, now that I've done this with the kids, caught myself rounding up when it's convenient and rounding down when it's convenient. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, how many donuts did you eat? Well, there's a baker's dozen, so I ate five. That's not quite half. I'm going to round down to one. I ate basically one, right? Or you bench press the, the big the big weights are in, in 45s, right? So it's either, it's either 135 or 215. I'm rounding up to 215. That's just the basic way you round up. How old are you? Right now, I'm going, I'm in my 30s because I'm almost 40. I'm not going to own 40 yet. I'll be there very soon. A year and a half, less than a year and a half, I'll be 40. That's all right. But right now, I'm just going to own 30. 30 is just the big number, right? Here's what God does. We always round down. God is always rounding up for us. Many times we look at our life and we go, there's no way I'm going to round down. There's no way I can do this. There's no way I can be this. There's no way that I can, I can step into my assignment. I want to just tell you, God will always make up the difference in your dilemma, in your situation, in your lack, lack of resource, lack of knowledge. That's okay. Obedience, surrender, and faith are the ingredients that unlock heaven's resources and power in your life. It's that simple. I am Jonah, is saying, if I just surrender, God will take care of the rest. If I surrender, God will appoint the fish to get me to where I need to go. If I surrender, God is going to take care of this situation. I've got to trust Him. And it goes back to this very key element. Back in the garden, what is at stake? Is God good and is He faithful to His Word? And the answer is yes, God is good. He's a blesser, He's scheming to bless us. He's for you, and you are a part of his great plan. Now I want to give you a little Bible study really quickly, because I want you to understand that not only is Jonah the answer, but he's also the problem because he's the answer. Does that make sense? The problem is is that Jonah is the answer. God has appointed and assigned him to this. So I want to give you a couple of scriptures, Genesis, Genesis chapter one. Verse 26, it reads like this. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So let's just make it simple. God says, okay, humanity, okay, humanity is basically dirt and spirit, okay, humus it is earth it is from terrain it is the the dirt man god breathes into dirt makes him a living soul and god says to have the legal right to do any uh legal spiritual activity on the planet it has to be a man it has to be a woman it has to be son of adam it has to be a human that's why when satan wants to do and undo some of the things that god gave to adam and eve he has to go through the human he he can't do it himself he has to have assistance. Why? Because you and I are the ones who have legal authority on this planet to do work, spiritual work. Can I get an amen from anybody? If that makes sense, the kingdom of God is introduced in Genesis one and twenty-six. That's why when God wants to do something in the earth, He wants to free three million Hebrews out of Egypt. He finds Moses. Someone has to agree with him. Someone has to pagas. Someone has to stand in the gap. Someone has to say yes to God's plan. And implement it in the earth. That's the way it works. That's the the transaction. We get to Psalms 115. Watch this. Psalms 115 and, and 16. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, all power and glory, but the earth he has given to mankind. So all the power is God's, but the authority on the earth is mankind. That's why God became a man and came to the earth. Why? To do some legal transactions because it had to be a man. It had to be humanity. It had to be this dirt and spirit together because we're the only ones who can do legal spiritual activity on the earth. So anytime God wants to do something, you know what he does? He finds a human who will come into agreement with his plan. Okay? This is the kingdom. This is what the kingdom begins to look like to us. That it's not just, oh, my address in heaven has changed, praise God, hope get a big mansion, but there's assignment and there's purpose. And when you say, I am Jonah, you are recognizing the assignment and plan and providence that's on your life. That's why we say things like, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. We want everyone to know God. We want people to be saved. And saved people should be free people, free from the hiccups and habits of yesterday, And people that are saved and free ought to discover who they are, that you have a purpose, a a unique destiny. And your destiny and your destination are tied to your design, that God designed you a certain way. Amen. You're not just space trash, just floating in outer space, just have no purpose, have no point, just survive and last until Jesus comes. No, your life has great meaning, and that's why it's so important. That's why we're voraciously reaching and talking about so many people to next steps and do take the next step. Don't stop. Get plugged in. And if it's not here, find somewhere else. But get in community because we practice in community. We practice with family because we're going to mess up and trip up. But then we go out in our assignment, and then we're activated in the kingdom of God because God's doing amazing things in the earth. And he needs you and he needs me. Psalms 8, 3 through 6. Watch this. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars set in place, what are mere mortals, humans, spirits with human flesh, with dirt, that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them? You made them only a little lower than Elohim, crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. So here's the question. Why do we do the spiritual things that we do, like pray? Do we pray because God has no ideas? Okay, God, I want you to heal Bob. And God goes, heal Bob. That's a fabulous idea. Gabriel, Michael, why didn't you think of that? Ah, These humans are so bright and brilliant. Man, Chad, you're, you're the best. Great, great idea. Let's do that. How many agrees? Let's do that, right? No, God doesn't need ideas, nor does God need you to beg. All right, I want to hear it again. What do you want? Heal Bob, louder. Heal Bob. I want you to cry out for it. I want you to beg for it. I want to see that you really, 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 really want it. Is that like, why do we pray? Why are we commanded to pray? Because when we pray, We're authorizing the will of God in the earth. God has the power in heaven, but He needs you to authorize it into the earth. Point, God can't do it without you. God can't do it without me. We're a part of His plan. We work for wages. We we receive inheritance because of who we are. We are His children. We're a part of a kingdom. We're a part of an inheritance, and we've joined in not only into the blessing, but also the mission. God has a purpose. God has planted you in that family, at that job, in that community. God has a purpose on your life. Stop running from the presence and stop running from the purpose that God has for you. Come on, high-five your neighbor. Give him a high-five and say, yep, that's right. Don't do it so proud, though. Do it with humility, all right? Ezekiel 22, 30, watch this. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge, that should paga, that should stand between heaven and earth. Stand in the gap before me in the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation upon them and have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, says the Lord of God. I didn't want to repay them. There's some laws in the, in the, in the spirit, and, and I needed someone to stand in the gap. I want you to hear the cry of, of Job, Job chapter 9, 32, 33. He said this, he is not a mere mortal uh, like me that I might answer him, that I might confront him other in court if only there was someone to mediate between us. He, Job is talking about himself and God. Someone to bring us together, only if there was someone who could fill the gap. And that's what Jesus did. He demonstrated what kingdom looks like when we embrace our responsibility. And so we step into this idea of being Jonah, it is stepping into the ownership of, I'm not just running from presence, I'm running from plan, purpose, provision. Let me just tell you this. The fish was not the punishment of God. It was the protection of God. It was the providence of God. It was the goodness of God. i gonna tell you, there's some things that you've misidentified. and You said, this is, this, is, this is all bad, it's all bad. Let me just tell you, like the assignment that's on your life is more important than the basic, simple comfort of right now. So we went hiking on Friday up in the, the hills and here in Sonoma uh, County. And the the guide was like, Hey, be careful! There are rattlesnakes and there's baby rattlesnakes. If baby rattlesnake bites you, you know this. They don't have to control their venom. Yada yada yada. So I'm like, Got this. I I don't get bit by snakes, right? That's what I do. I just not I don't get I don't get eaten by bears and don't get bit by snakes. So we're walking along and the guide sees a little garden snake. And it's like, oh, that was cool garden snake. And Emma is like, that's amazing. So it goes around this rock, this big rock, and Emma's gonna go around this way, and I start looking, and there's a baby rattler right there. And she's about to walk, and I pull Emma back, and I pull Jude back. And the guy says, we got to move on. And I look, he doesn't see, but there's another baby rattler walk going across the little road and I pulled Jude closer, kind of yanked him in, whiplash, okay? He's got a big neck brace on today, not really. But like my reaction of pulling him in, maybe a little discomfort, but there was a protection that I was bringing to him in that moment because there was a greater harm. And I just want to tell you, like, like, when God intervenes and starts to, to mess with some of our comforts, I just want you to know that the plan and the provision and the grace that's in that is way greater than maybe the temporary discomfort that you're feeling going, why is this happening? Is God good? I'm going to just tell you, God is good. He's faithful. You can take it to the bank. God is for you, not against you. So when we say, I'm Jonah, we're saying we're, we're owning it. We're owning assignment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the, the team to come out. I want to tell you a quick story. I was in uh, Bible college, just coming out of Bible college, and um, was invited to go to Southeast Asia for a summer. One of the coolest summers ever. Got to go to different places and slept on a boat in the middle of a, of a, a war zone. It was kind of interesting, in the middle of, of uh, Cambodia. Got to go into a, a, an area that, that they said had never seen a Caucasian face before. And I was like, "You don't want this to be the first Caucasian face that they're going to see, all right?" And so we went and preached the gospel. I got to baptize people in the dirtiest lake you've ever seen, and uh, still have a little twitch in my left arm. But I mean, we were we were audacious and and wild, and it was so amazing. So we did this all summer, and we have like maybe ten days left. We we land back in in, in Thailand, and it was like, okay, you you go for two and a half months, and you, you, you push, you fight, you, you're praying, you're baptizing, you're seeing miracles, like, awesome, this is so cool. Now it's time to go enjoy, like, just calm down, and go sightsee, and go eat some Thai food. Come on, somebody, anybody like Thai food? <laughs> Get some Thai food, and just mosey around town, and that was our time. Like, it's, it's going to happen. Okay, now we got a few days, we're going to wind down, we got a big service before we leave, Whatever. Holy Spirit comes. Just feel the burden of the Lord come on me. Lord speaks to me, and says, "There's one more. You're not done." Like Lord, I have, I have baptized people in the cesspool, and who knows what I picked up. I need you to like let me have ten days, to not think about anything. Kingdom, God says, "There's one more." So I was like, "Okay, guys, um, you guys go have fun, gallivanting around Bangkok and Thailand." I'm gonna. Hang out here and pass out flyers. Talk to people about Jesus. So I'm up and down, souk and vent, passing out flyers, signing people. It's like wall. I'm like, oh, this is so annoying, God. I love you. You're awesome. Okay. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Nothing, all week, nothing. It's like a brick. I just keep in a brick wall. I'm like, this is really ridiculous. So finally, went to this prayer meeting. We did it every Friday night. Kind of cuddled into a corner by myself. And prayed. I said, You know what? I'm going to do. Sometimes God will put a burden on you and you think it's for you. I'm going to pray it through. And then, like, maybe the missionary or somebody else will catch it and I'll just be a part of the domino effect. So I got in the corner, just prayed for 30 minutes, prayed for an hour, prayed for an hour and a half. And I, I really did. I felt like there was a breakthrough in my prayer. Felt like, I was like, Done. I'll like, tear. Whoever they are, Lord, they're out there. I know that you're going to take care of me. And so at the end, the, the missionary we were staying with, he goes, Hey, can you jump in this taxi with uh, this group of, of, of young people? Because sometimes the taxis are sketchy there. Can you, can you help me get home? I said, absolutely. So jump jumped in the taxi, and we're driving along, and the Holy Spirit comes into that taxi and says, ask him to church, which is super, like, not the norm of how you would, like, start a conversation about God. So it's was like, ask him to go to church. And I was like, oh, no. So through the translator, I said, can you just ask him, can you just ask this man, the, the taxi driver, will you, can you come to church with him? you want to come to church with us? And so she's like, come to church with us? I was like, yeah, just, just ask him that. You know, she just, just speaks in, in Thai, and he just keeps driving. I was like, well, that was awkward. Just driving, driving, driving. Finally, we get to a stop sign, and he turns around, and there's tears streaming down his face. This is what he says. He says, I've been waiting 10 years for someone to ask me to come to church. I want to come. I want I want that. I know that that's something. I don't know where it is, how it is. I just know I want to go. I said, well, can we meet tomorrow for breakfast or lunch? Can we, I haven't eaten much Thai food this week. Uh, can we uh, grab some some Thai food? It's like, yeah, yeah. You show up, you know, at this place, you know, we kind of decided a place is kind of neutral in the center and you don't know if they're going to show up or not. You're like, almost certain they're not. Shows up. I get to talk with them about Jesus for an hour and a half. Say, come tomorrow to church. He's like, okay, I'll come. You're like, oh, I don't know. This is going to... He shows up. Comes a little bit early. Sits right next to me. Like right in the middle. And as the worship begins, he looks at me and I raise my hands. And he kind of just raises his hands. And I just begin to pray. And he begins to pray and right there no one touched him no one instructed no one he knows nothing the Holy Spirit baptizes him right there in the middle of this community of faith and right after service do you want to get baptized yeah I want to get baptized done a little Bible study was baptized and God just like show me right there like your life is mission your life has a meaning there's no coincidences And you may be somebody's answered prayer. There's a Nineveh going, there's got to be more than this barbaric activity. There's, There's somebody out there saying some prayers. And you may be the doorway, the answer to someone's prayer. There's great purpose on your life. It's time for us to step into it and say, yep, I am Jonah. Would you bow your heads right where you are? Would you close your eyes? We bow our heads, close our eyes. I want to say a prayer with you. If you're here today and, and you identify in this moment with Jonah, and you realize you've been going the wrong way, in the opposite direction, you feel empty, you've been working hard to stay above the water, and you're like, it's not making sense and it doesn't feel right. I'm ready for a turnaround, I'm ready to surrender. If that's you, just raise your hand. No one's looking around just me, I just want to know who I'm praying for who I'm praying for, thank you, thank you, thank you thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you thank you, thank you thank you amen, 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 amen let's just lift our hearts together want to pray for all of us Lord we honor you today God you're challenging us today, you're stirring our hearts today, you're calling us deeper today, Lord there's mission and purpose even in the storm God it's connected to design and destiny. Even in what we're going in, it's trying to wake us out of the bottom of our boat in our sleep and in our slumber. God, you're waking us up and you're calling us to the top of that boat to leap into that sea and be cast into your grace, jumping into your mercies, believing that if this is God, you will supply and provide a way back to shore. An appointed fish an appointed person, God appoints these mechanisms, puts us together, draws us back to His will, and today God is recharging and re-uploading His design into our hearts today. We will be renewed. We will be set free. We will be on assignment. We will recognize the call. People will come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today, No one's looking around. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you want to say yes to following Jesus, you want to say yes and say, you know what? I don't know the Lord, but I want to know the Lord. Would you just raise your hand really quickly? No one's looking around. I just want to see your hand so I can pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Seven, eight people. Thank you for raising your hand. Thank you for responding today. Amen. Most important part of the service right now. Let's pray together. Those who raise their hand, will you pray this with me? God, I recognize your goodness, and I recognize your grace. I've been running from you, and, Lord, your grace has arrested me, has captured me. And today I surrender my heart. And I receive and accept what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me. Jesus, the living Lord, the the maker becomes my master today. I surrender to your will. I say yes to your plan. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me from running from you, my sin, my insanity. Forgive me, Lord, today. I receive your grace and I receive that life that changes everything. In your name I pray and the church say amen come on one more time in Jesus name let's up our hands to heaven let's celebrate God would you stand with us and sing with us